All right, well, it's been a strong Advent season for us as a church. I've just been really encouraged as to how we're all kind of living this out. Uh, the word Advent, I've told you this several times, but the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. The coming of Jesus is what we're thinking on uh, through this season. It's really all about Jesus, about Jesus coming. And uh, we, we've said that what we're doing in this season with Advent is we're celebrating and we're anticipating, that we're celebrating the first advent, the first coming of Jesus two millennia ago, and we're anticipating uh, his second advent in uh, the, the, the future yet to come. And I just want to encourage you, you celebrated well this season. There's been some good parties and some banquets and charity and reflection and uh, daily advent readings that you have had, and I just want to encourage you, you celebrated him well. We're not done celebrating, we're, we're still going on. Uh, and then you've also anticipated well particularly stands out in my mind the, the, the evening of the Newtown, Connecticut shootings where uh, we called a spontaneous prayer gathering and had a great turnout of people just coming and ready to pray and to lift them up and just long together for the second advent, the second coming of Christ and really just called on him to please come, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, as we said uh, in our responsive reading. And so I just want to encourage you, you've done really well with that. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud and excited about the season that we're in as a church. Uh, it's just a really cool thing that God is doing. And now this morning what I want to do is, is I want to call us to begin to round out the season with a response, with, with a response. See, in, in just a few days we're all going to respond to various gifts that are going to be given to us. Some of you are really looking forward to something. You're, you're anticipating receiving some gift that you asked for. Maybe you have a gift that you're giving and you're excited about that. And we're all going to respond to some kind of gift. So ladies, uh, maybe your man gives you a gift, and uh, you're going to respond, right? If it's jewelry, it would probably be a good response, a kiss or a hug or I love you, baby, something like that. If it's, uh, if it's something that plugs in, it's going to be a glare, right? <laughs> Mad at you. I, I was listening to the radio the other day, and uh, there was, I guess she was a relationship expert, whatever that means, from Match.com. And she was on the radio, and she was saying, okay, guys, here's what you don't give to your wives or your girlfriends, said, you do not give something that plugs in. That was just kind of a rule. And then I started reflecting back to my childhood when my father, uh, somebody uh, made him a homemade loaf of bread, and he loved it. So Christmas rolls around, and he gave my mom a bread maker, and it was just not a good, it was not a good response for him. I remember that. So that's the rule, I guess. If it plugs in, don't, don't, uh, don't do that. Jewelry, clothes, something like that. It's a thought that counts unless it's electronics. Uh, for the kids, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the response of my kids as they get the gift that uh, we're giving them. Uh, it's a really good one this year, so ask us in a couple days. We'll tell you. We're really excited to see their response. I just love how genuine they are, you know, with their response. They just go nuts and dance and do goofy things and circles and jump on the couch. I love it. Uh, what's the response of your heart when your kids give you a gift, you know, it's not something you really long for or wanted, but they made it, and it just, just warms you, and you, you love that, and you kind of reaffirm, they love me, they adore me, it's, it's so great. And then some of you have gifts in mind that you're going to give somebody, and you're just anticipating their response, you're, you're ready, I've, I've bought this for them, I'm prepared, just can't wait to see how uh, they respond to, to the gift. See, gifts demand a, a response. Now, I think I think you know where I'm going with this already. Gifts demand a response, and so does the, the gift of Jesus. Uh, the Christmas gift really demands a response from 
from all of us. And now imagine if you gave somebody a gift this Christmas and they gave you no response whatsoever. They just opened it and said, oh, put it to the side and moved on to the next gift. You would really be hurt by that, but also really your lack of a response or their lack of response is a response, isn't it? It tells you and them that they don't care about this gift. It's not a big deal. And so really, whether you realize it or not, we all respond to every gift that's given to us. And and Jesus, the gift of Christmas, we all respond to him. So Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 will tell us uh, that for unto us a a child is born, a son is given. Uh, John 3.16, famous uh, passage of scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So I just want us to be reminded going into this that Jesus is the gift of Christmas. And so with every gift under the tree, every gift that you give and gift that you receive, be reminded and filter it through the the gift of Jesus uh, that has been given unto us, as Isaiah says. And so let me just start by asking you, how historically in your life or even in this season have you responded to the the gift of Jesus? And really, ask yourself that question. How have you responded to the gift of Jesus? See, I think a lot of Christians just kind of settle for, well, I opened it. It's mine. I'm a Christian, so I got it, right? I I know. The question is, really, I want you to ask yourself, do you treasure the gift of Jesus? See, it's not about just that initial response. It's about the continual response. When I was a kid, I got a drum set for my seventh grade uh, Christmas. I remember getting this drum set. I was so anticipating it. My parents knew that they did well because I didn't just play it that day, but I played it every day just completely drove them insane in the house, and they probably regretted the gift, but played it every day. When my friends came over and would play around the basement, I would cover up my drums with a sheet to make sure nobody touched. I just cared for this thing. I cleaned it off. I, I mean, I just, they knew, based on my continual response to the gift, they knew that I loved it. So the, the gift of Jesus, then, do you treasure that gift? Does your continued response to him show that you treasure the gift? See, our responses can, can be deceiving, those initial responses, right? Like my, my now six-year-old, when he turned five, I remember we were so excited, we bought him a guitar. We're musicians, and we were all excited to give him this guitar. And his initial response was, oh, yes, I love this thing. I don't think he's played it maybe once since that day. It's been a year and a half. And so we know a lot about how he really feels about the gift. And so I want to ask us, how do we really feel Does our continual response say anything? I think it does about what we did and are doing with the the gift of Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to think through three appropriate responses to Christmas this morning. Just keep it real simple. Three appropriate responses to the gift of Jesus. Really three crucial Advent themes that kind of overlap all the other Advent themes that we've been talking about uh, in our responsive reading time. And typically when we uh, go through Scripture in a sermon here at the church, we typically will take a chunk, a text, and just walk through it. We did this for the past 10 weeks through the book of James. But we're going to kind of bounce a little bit uh, together this morning, if you don't mind uh, doing that. And so we'll, we'll bounce a little bit. You can get a finger workout, or you can just look at the, um, the screen. We'll have scripture up there. But I want to show you appropriate responses to the gift of Jesus. And what we're going to have to do is work and strive towards continually uh, disciplining our hearts to respond in this way uh, to the gift of of Jesus. These are not one-time responses. These are things that we need to do over and over. And so don't see this and say, check, done that, I'm good. 
continual response, continual response. And the first response is, is this, it's repentance. First response to the gift of Jesus is, is repentance. One of the first places that our hearts need to go when we think on Christmas, when we think on the nativity scene, when we think on the lights and, and all of the glam, uh, we need to think about our condition and, and really respond in repentance. And, and I'll say it this way. It's about sinned against, not sentiment. Sinned against, not sentiment. See, usually uh, the response at the thought of Christmas is sentiment, right? Warm, fuzzy, happy uh, sentiment. I I love Christmas tree day for my family. Christmas tree day for my family looks like this. We kind of have some traditions that we've wrapped around it. What we'll do is we'll bundle up the kids, get them all juiced up and excited. We hop in in the wagon, and then we'll head out, and we'll go get our tree, and we'll strap it to the top of our car, and I just think it looks cool on top of the car. And so we'll, we'll drive and do some other things with the tree on top of the car and just trust the Lord that it's not going to get stolen. But we'll, we'll usually go to a coffee shop and get hot chocolate for the family right after grabbing the tree. And we'll take pictures in front of the car. Again, I think it looks cool. And uh, from there, we'll, we'll head home and we'll set up the tree. We'll bring it into the house and we'll begin to set it up. And so for about 30-minute intermission from the happy time is 30 minutes. You know this feeling of just frustration of trying to get the tree in and setting it up, and it falls over. And you're, this year, it was the stand was too small. The trunk was too big, so we had to go to Home Depot and kind of put a pause on happy times. But it was, it was a really good time. Then what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll string the lights, and the kids are all involved. We'll start decor- pull out the boxes and decorate the house and decorate the tree. And our kids love just kind of going through each ornament and hearing the story about we this was given to you from your auntie. This was given to you from your grandma. And they love those stories. It's just a really cool time together. And then at the end of the night, when we have it all done, we, and we've been blasting the, the Christmas tunes, by the way. We have a Christmas playlist that just grows every year, and we're singing at the top of our lungs. End of the night, we turn the music off, and we get up under the tree. This sounds crazy. We'll lay on our backs under the tree and just look up into the lights. It's just a fun time for us, and we'll talk about Christmas and what it's all about. And it's just a it's a special time for us, and I just love that. And maybe uh, for you, you have some kind of goofy tr- Christmas traditions that you just love, and they, they, maybe the, these sentiments that they elicit in your, your heart. Those are great. Those are good things. I want to encourage you uh, to develop traditions like that. Uh, traditions are good, and they're healthy, and they're stabilizing for children and, and for your family. But the first place that our hearts should go at the thought of Christmas is not sentiment, sentimental feelings, but really a reminder that we have sinned against God. We've sinned against God, and as a result, we're in bondage to, to Satan and to sin and to death. But God, because of his great mercy and his compassion and his love for his children, comes to earth as our Savior. He becomes a man. He takes on flesh. He dwells among us as Jesus of Nazareth. And see, so often we can just kind of miss the obvious. And the obvious is that Christmas implies that we need help. And Christmas implies that we need a, a rescuer. And so as a church through this Advent season, we've been going through um, a, a, a daily Advent reading called Good News of, of Great Joy. And uh, appropriately for the very first reading of the season on December uh, 2nd, it reads this. We'll put the, the quote on the screen for you. Here's what it reads. It reads, first, meditate on the fact that we need a Savior. Christmas is an indictment before it's a delight. Isn't that true? The very first Sunday, the very first Advent reading for this year was, Christmas is an indictment before it's a delight. Because Christmas says, you need 
Jesus. You need God to come. John 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, the wages, that means that's what we've earned. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the consequence for our, our sin is death because we in our sin have turned from the, the, the life giver, the one who has breathed into us the very breath of, of life. We've, we've turned from that. So the natural consequence of that is, is death, right? We've on our own with our sin said, you know what, God, I don't, I don't need you. And some people say, well, how cruel is God then? Death. No, it's the natural consequence. He gives us life. We say, I don't need you. The, the consequence of that is, is death. And he's not cruel because he, in his compassion, could have said, well, fine. I gave you the chance. But no, in his compassion, he says, I love you. I want to make this right. I want to rescue you uh, from this terrible situation. So he becomes one of us. The form of a child, Jesus, grows up as a man, lives perfectly, yet doesn't deserve the wage of sin, death. And yet he lays down his life and dies as our substitution so that if we will trust in that, we will trust in his death as a substitution for our, our sin. We can be saved. We can be rescued. And so Christmas implies we need a rescuer. We need a rescuer. Look with me at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. This is when the angel appears to Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, relatives of, of Mary. And Zechariah and Elizabeth are older, and they're, they're barren, they're without child. And uh, in this moment, uh, the angel is announcing in this passage here to Zechariah that uh, he and Elizabeth will have a child, uh, John the baptizer, uh, the one prophesied about in Malachi chapter 3 and 4, and that their child will serve as a forerunner uh, for the Messiah. And so let's read it. Um, not all of this uh, announcement, but I want to read uh, particularly 16 and 17 of Luke chapter 1. The angel says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so according to the, the angel here, he's quoting Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, the last verse of the Old Testament. According to the angel, Zechariah and Elizabeth's son, John, would be used to turn the hearts of Israel back to God. And in power he was, as you read the story, as it continues on, he was used for this pur- purpose. And, 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 and so much so was he used in power that some people thought that he was himself the Messiah, John the baptizer. And he denies he wasn't, and he points people to Jesus. And I want you to notice also this word that's used in there twice, the word turn. The word turn. And, and this is where the word repentance comes from. To, to turn means to, to you're going in one direction and now you're going in another direction. And he's calling them to turn from the direction of following after sin and self and turn and go in the direction of the Lord is what John the baptizer is going to, to be used and was used uh, to turn Israel's hearts uh, back to the Lord. Verse 17, so that they will be a people prepare. And so what John the baptizer was for Israel, Advent really is for us. Advent for us is, is really a time to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus so that we might be a people prepared. A people prepared. Are you prepared for Christmas? You've got a lot of stuff on, our, on your plate. I have a ton of stuff on my plate uh, preparing for Christmas, buying gifts. You've got all your gifts bought? 
some of the men, definitely not. It's like last minute tomorrow. You got your decorations up for your family. You got your menu planned out for the big uh, meal. You got your travel arrangements lined up. You're prepared for Christmas. But listen, don't make the mistake of being prepared for Christmas and being prepared for everything but the coming of Jesus. That's what Advent is, is preparing us for the coming of Jesus. And, and John the baptizer was preparing Israel's heart for the coming of Jesus. So as the, the Christmas song that we're going to actually close with uh, this morning, Joy to the World, it says, Let every heart prepare him room. Just like we are to be a people prepared, that every heart should prepare him room. And so our first response to Christmas is, listen, realization that that I've sinned against him. It's not just a sentiment. I've sinned against him. But he has come as my savior to, to, to save me. And so our first response is to repent and turn, and turn to him and to receive his salvation. And Christians continually receive and continually turn back to him. It's always a good reminder in our lives to, to really return, to turn to him. So here's our, here's our next response. Initially, Christmas is an indictment. It's not just about the sentiment. It's about the fact that we've sinned against him. We need him. But then, for those who respond with repentance, we now can respond with with comfort. Uh, The second one is comfort here. Be comforted by Christmas. I'll say it this way. It's about presence, not presence. It's about presence, E-N-C-E, not presence, E-N-T-S. Now, don't worry, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to stand up here and, and say I'm against presents. Don't do presents. In fact, I'll be waiting in the back, so if you want to give me a present, I'll be ready to receive it. Um, but I would encourage you uh, to let every gift, as I said already, let every gift remind you of, of the gift. I'd encourage you to be wise about giving gifts. Uh, be wise about receiving gifts. As you give gifts, don't be dumb and go into to debt. Don't go overboard so that your children are really confused about the the, the meaning of Christmas. I would encourage you to give sacrificially to others as Jesus gave sacrificially to us and give sacrificially to others who have some real needs this Christmas. And so I'm not, I'm not against uh, giving and receiving presents, but I'd say give and receive wisely. And remember that the, the best gift that has been given to us is uh, his presence. That He has come to be with us, God with us. Remember the feeling at the end of the day as a kid? You've been waiting for Christmas. You've been counting down the days. My kids have the uh, Advent chain that they'll pull off a, a chain link every, every day. We also kind of have this Advent calendar with a tree, and we'll put the candy cane in the pocket corresponding to the day. They're counting down the days, and they're just ready for uh, the gift that they're going to receive. And I remember the feeling very vividly as a kid, that what I call the end of the day feeling. You've been anticipating it. You wake up at five in the morning. You get your present. You ready for that, parents? You get the present. You rip it open. You play with it. And then I remember very vividly going to bed and laying in bed every Christmas Eve, I mean, every single one as a child and feeling like, that was it. That was it. I've been looking forward to this for six months now. That was, that was it. And the excitement Kind of, kind of fades. I remember one year I thought, this, it's not going to happen this year because this is the year I get my Nintendo, right? The gray box Nintendo, the original Nintendo. This is the year that it will not fade because I'll have that baby every day. And I, I was kind of behind the times with the Nintendo. My parents uh, kind of held out for a while, and then they eventually uh, got us one, or Santa Claus, I should say, got us one um, for Christmas. And uh, 
they got it used from a friend because <laughs> she got the Super Nintendo. So I was a little behind, but I got the Nintendo nonetheless. And uh, I remember I was the only kid in America that didn't have a Nintendo. I told everybody, I'm the only kid in America that doesn't have a Nintendo. And so Christmas Eve rolls around. My uncle, who always comes to hang out with us on, uh, uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, he, uh, he came over and he brought a newspaper article. And the, the heading said this. It said, Josh Wyatt, only child in America without a Nintendo. And I said... I told you, <laughs> I told you, and uh, it was great, he made that thing, but I, I thought it was legit, and so I woke up the next morning and uh, had a Nintendo waiting for me, but even then, I remember going to bed thinking, all right, after 10 hours of you know, Super Mario Brothers, that's it, I mean, that's, that's what I've been banking my life on for the past six months, the, the flash of presence fades, but the, the presence of Jesus the comfort of having Jesus with you is, is always there for you. Read with me Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 21 through 23, the, the angel now, in this instance, he, he's appearing to Joseph. And he tells Joseph that, that Mary is going to have a son. So let's, let's read it. Matthew chapter 1, 21 through 23, he says this. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so the angel here appears to Joseph, and he tells Joseph, your betrothed Mary will have a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Sends. And then Matthew, writing this, clarifies that all of this has taken place to fulfill uh, the prophecies of, of Isaiah, the prophet, quoting from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, don't ever let the word Emmanuel become kind of this cliche Christmas phrase that just only gets thrown around. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, it's a Christmas, Christmas term. It is a big deal that our God is not some distant and far-off God, but our God is Emmanuel, God with us, that he is near us, that he is with us in your pain. Whatever your pain is at this moment, knowing some of you very closely, I know some of your pain is heavy right now, it's hot right now, you're in the heat right now, but God's in there with you. Whatever the confusion that you're feeling, God is with you in that, the heartache, God is with you in that. The victories, they will come too. God is with you in that. That God is with us. Really cool passage of scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, 13 says this. It says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So because Jesus has come and because Jesus has died, we can be brought near to God. Notice we didn't come near to him. We were brought near because he came to us, right? That we, we, we separated ourselves from him with our sin by saying, God, I, I'm just going to live this life apart from you. We, we've kind of separated ourselves from him with our, our sin. What we find eventually is that we're, we're weak and we're, we're stuck, and that's when we call out to him and he, he, he comes to us. We were brought near because of what Jesus has done. Because of his death, we can be made right with God. This Christmas, uh, with my five-person family, uh, growing family, I, we can't afford to, to pay for uh, airline tickets any longer to go you know, 1,100 miles to be with 
uh, my family. My wife's family's up here, but to be with my family, you can't pay you know, for five tickets to go 1,100 miles. And so this year for Christmas, uh, my parents and grandparents decided what we'll do is we'll go in and we'll, your Christmas gift will be airline tickets so that you can go and, and, and you can be with us. And so on Tuesday, we fly out and we will be brought near uh, to them. We could receive all these great gifts in the mail, but how much greater is it to just forget about the gift? Let's just be with them. Let's just be with you and be refreshed and be encouraged and be strengthened and be, be spurred on by being with, with, with family. The cool thing about being brought near with God is that the trip doesn't end on New Year's Eve like this trip's going to end. It's, you're there. You're brought near. He never leaves you. He never for, forsakes you. That he lived this life victoriously and so he can walk beside you in this life. And, and Hebrews 4 says that he sympathizes with our weakness because he was tempted in every way that we are, yet he was without sin. And so everything that you feel, every struggle, every failure, he, he's with you in that. He says, I know the pain. I know the temptation. I was victorious. Let me be there with you. He is with you. And so what you need this Christmas is maybe not what we think we need this Christmas. See, so many of us just want the gifts of God. And what we really need is we need God. So many of us just want the gifts that God can give us. What we really need is God himself. I heard the question asked one time, if you could have heaven without Jesus being there, would you want it? And if so, you've got to check your heart. Because a lot of us want the gifts that God gives us. But we don't actually want God. So it's not about God giving you gifts of money, God giving you gifts of success, or God giving you a life free from pain. It's about God being there when you don't have money and times are hard. It's about God being there when you're in pain. It's about God being there with you when you are struggling and hurting. It's a far greater gift to have his presence, E-N-C-E, not his, just his presence, E-N-T-S. So respond to Christmas by being comforted that he is there with you. He's there with you. He's Emmanuel, God with us, and you're not alone. It's such a cool, cool thing. Now, our, our last response for this morning, for those people who have repented of their sin and, and turned to Jesus and trust him as Lord, for those people who are then so love him, they're so right with him, they so just want him, that they are comforted by his, his presence. Then Christmas leads to great joy. Next one is, is joy. And so back to that first Advent reading of our daily Advent readings. It says, first meditate on the fact that we need a Savior. Christmas is an indictment before it's a delight. Yeah, we do need Christmas to remind us of our sin and of our need for a Savior. But upon our response to being rescued by him, Christmas can really for you become a season of delight. Christmas should become for us a season of great joy, a season of celebration, a season of wonder at the Lord. So look with me at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Luke 2, 10 through 14. Here we have the angel now announcing to the shepherds in the field uh, the birth of Jesus. So listen to what the angels announce uh, to uh, the shepherds, 10 through 14 of Luke chapter 2. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ 
the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I love that passage of, of, of scripture there. We have uh, the angel and then the angels announcing uh, to the shepherds the good news of the coming uh, Jesus. And so the angel will appear to them and, and say, this is good news. This is good news of great joy. God wants us to delight and find joy and to really rejoice in the fact that he's coming to earth. See, a lot of us, Christmas kind of becomes a burden because now you've got to host a lot of people. You've got to buy gifts and you've got to remember, okay, don't get her to the plug-in. I've got to get her something else. And what do I get her? I have no idea. And it becomes kind of this stressful moment. But God wants it for us to be this real season of delight. And so if there are things that are just stressing you out and ruining your Christmas, feel free to let those things go so that you can delight in the Lord and, and find joy and, and comfort and, and wonder and celebration in the fact that he has come. And I would say... Party well Christmas. Really, party well. I think Christians should be some of the best party throwers around Christmas time. I mean, this is our deal. This is our occasion. We have all the reason in the world to delight because it's no longer an indictment. We are now made right with God. And though we use Christmas as an occasion to, to really confess sin and deal with sin and prepare our hearts for his second coming, we know that we are not condemned any longer because of Jesus, and so we can celebrate. This is great news, good news of, of, of great joy. So we have every reason to celebrate this Christmas, the coming of, of Jesus. And what does God do for this occasion? You see what he, he, he does here? He puts on the most spectacular show imaginable. I can't even imagine what that was. I tried, and I've read uh, three or four different children's Christmas stories um, to my kids that kind of try to capture this moment. Uh, one story uh, just shows shepherds in a field with a bunch of angels floating in the sky. Another story shows shepherds in a field with lights so bright in the sky that they can't even look at it, but they're just amazed. I have no idea. One story says these were warriors of light. I love these pictures, but all we know is it was absolutely spectacular. Dr. Luke, who writes this book, he's a researcher for a Roman leader named Theophilus, goes around and interviews people. And that's how he writes this, this book. And he interviews people and he, he finds out that there was a multitude of heavenly hosts at this occasion. A multitude of heavenly We don't know if he talked to the shepherds. They were still around when he was old enough to, to record this. But there were thousands upon thousands of angels. These amazing beams of light in the sky declaring glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. They're just worshiping him. And notice they're, they're worshiping him before who? Before shepherds. Before the lowest of the low in the society of that day. Before the shepherds, kind of bums in the culture. They couldn't even testify in court if they were needed because they had this, this reputation of not being law-abiding citizens. They couldn't go to temple because if they left their sheep, their sheep would be done and their career would be done. And so they couldn't go to temple to make sacrifices or for the, for the feasts. And so they were kind of seen as you know, spiritually uh, you know, inferior in that culture. But of all people, God comes to them 
and declares to them this great news. He breaks the news. He, he puts on the show before these guys, which really is encouraging, I think, for me, for all of us. It should be. When you feel not worthy, God says you're not worthy, but I still love you, and I have something spectacular for you. It's, it's Jesus, and he wants you to rejoice with him. He wants you at his party. And so I'll say it this way. It's awe, not awe, right? It's awe, not awe. Christmas for us should inspire awe in our hearts. As you read on in the text, uh, the shepherds rush to Jesus to see the baby. They, They left then after seeing the baby, and they're just praising God. They had this real sense of amazement this real sense of, of wonder. For, for these shepherds, their response to this child was not, aw, cute little baby. Their response was, aw, this is amazing. This is spectacular. This is not just a, a cute baby with some sentimental value, a nice Christmas story that I grew up this way. I'll kind of be you know, in the Christmas spirit. That's kind of my family tradition. That's what we do. No, it was this amazing Amazing news for them about the radical rescue of God that they have been anticipating for generations past. He has now finally come to them in the form of a man through a virgin as prophesied about. And it should enlist in us worship and wonder and deep joy like it did for these, these shepherds. See, awe is it's a momentary feeling, maybe at a, at a cute baby or at a lame but thoughtful gift that you get. Aw, thanks. But awe is this lasting impression that you just can't shake. That was spectacular that I am forever changed by this moment. Christmas should inspire awe in us. That God, God, the creator of all things, left his throne in heaven. And he humbled himself to become a man and to walk alongside of people who sneered at him. To be born in a stable, laid in a feeding trough. Like we we go to the grocery store and we put our little children in carts and we have to put those, you know, fancy, expensive baby cloth things that cover the, you've seen these things that cover the grocery shopping carts? He was laid in a feeding trough, for crying out loud. Shortly thereafter, he's hunted down to be killed. He grows up, and he's again hunted down for years of his life. He was treated like garbage. He lived humbly. He died a shameful criminal's death, naked on a cross. It's God, right? God who every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess he is Lord. That God, one of us, the worst of us, based on how he was treated, should for us really bring out this wonder. How could he? It's amazing. It's the most spectacular gift of all time. He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. He laid down his life, and greater love has no one than this, and that he would lay down his life for his friends. Unbelievable brings about celebration and joy for all of us. So let me close by just asking us all, how, how do we respond to Christmas? Is it just kind of 
sentiment? Or do we repent? Have you repented of sin and turned to him? You and I, all of us, we need a we need a savior, and that's what Christmas implies. I would encourage you, repent and give your life to the Lord. From there, maybe you need to be comforted this morning. Just be reminded of the fact that God is with us. That he is Emmanuel, and there's peace. We have his presence, not just presence, but his presence. He's with us. And some of you, I know you deeply need that today. I'm praying that God will just be so thick in this room and in your hearts, so heavy that you just can't deny his presence, that he is with you. And then finally, we need to rejoice. We need to celebrate. This is huge. This is a big deal. Has he made a lasting impression in your heart, in your life, or is it going to be, oh, we think about him a little more than we normally do around Christmas, but then we move on. We don't move on from Christmas. We don't get over Christmas. God incarnated himself and became flesh and dwelt among us so that he could rescue us. It's amazing. So I'm going to pray. I'm just going to give you the chance to begin to respond. And as we move into the next few days, you're going to be crazy. Don't get so caught up in the craziness that you fail to, to really respond to the gift of, of Jesus. God, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for the gift of Jesus. It's not a reward. He's a gift. We certainly didn't earn this. We are freely given something. Someone. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us to discipline our hearts so that we might respond appropriately, continuously to Jesus. God, help us in the room who need to repent to be at a place where we just can't do anything else but just give our sin to you, turn from it, and follow you all the days of our life. God, for those in this room who are they're heavy right now, their hearts are heavy, they need your presence, Lord. Comfort them, give them peace. God, May we all celebrate. May we all worship and exalt you, God. You are so worthy of all praise. And so, God, in this time, as we close out this gathering this morning, be lifted up. Be glorified. As we sing this song, Lord, would you just be exalted? Would you just, just help us to sit in, in awe and in the wonder of who you are and what you've done? God, we love you. Thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.